I have this saying, which is understanding makes room for conscious choices. So understanding makes room for conscious choices. It does not obligate or demand that I make the conscious choices. It just gives me more access. It's kind of that same, like, gives me the moment after the flooding moment. When I have understanding about what's happening in me, when I have understanding of like, oh, my dad walked in the door and this is the stuff that I have coming up right now. What do I want to do with it? It's a question of like, what now? And I may choose to continue to limit myself in those ways, but I have a decision that I am consciously making. That's my whole thing is like, I want to turn unconscious stuff into conscious stuff so that I know what I'm doing and that I'm actively choosing it. This is Maestro on the Mic. A podcast designed to help you change your mindset and your life. It is time for something new. Join host Dr. Shante Cofield, also known as the Movement Maestro, on a journey to see the bigger picture. Open your eyes. Find your passion and discover how movement unites us all. Let's get it popping. This is Maestro on the Mic. I'm the Maestro, and you're about to get Maestro Five. Three, two, one. Hey you guys, Maestro here and welcome back to another episode of Maestro on the Mic. Today I have with me a guest that you may or may not know. Real talk, I didn't know about them till about, I don't know, three or four days ago and the universe legitimately smacked me in the face and was like, you need to know this person. So now I'm doing the same to you. Today I have with me Nick Strack, uh, who is a parenting coach, and for those of you that don't have kids on here, though I think a lot of you do, you're still going to listen up because this, el- this episode is still going to be hella, hella relevant to you. Uh, they support parents to custom create their own parenting styles in order to make more conscious choices with confidence and grace. One more time, you guys listening, listen around the edges. I don't care if you don't have kids. I don't have kids. I, maybe I shouldn't say that. I have Rupert. I don't have traditional kids, but I am 100% sure that everything that comes out of this brilliant human's mind is going to be relevant, applicable, helpful to you. So I'm going to stop my spiel, pass the mic. Without further ado, welcome to the show, my new friend, Nick Strack. Welcome, Nick. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Still a little nervous. Very excited to be here. The squeeze there, the little squeal, that was great. That was great. So first off, Nick, thank you again for taking the time. You're busy. You got shit to do. So thank you for taking the time and sharing your brain. I am going to do what I said. I'm going to pass the mic, and I'm going to let you introduce yourself, tell your story however you want, because it's all brand new to us. So whatever you want to say, I'm here for it. Okay, that's I know, it's a big. wide open space for That's me it. to fill. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Let it rock. All right. Well, hey, everyone. I am Nick Strack. I use they, them pronouns. And what's relevant that I feel like sharing right now? I am a parenting coach and I talk about advocating for a parent centered approach to parenting um, because I think that societally, there are two kind of swings that society does. The one side of the pendulum is to encourage parents to aspire to martyrdom and basically erase Mm -hmm. themselves as much as they can from their relationship with their child 
And the other side is to aspire to have like obedient, quote unquote, good children, which is like to try to control your children as much as possible. And I have a fuck no for both of those. And so my approach is to support parents in turning inward and discovering all of the stuff that they bring to every moment of their lives. Because I believe that we are all constructing our experience of life from moment to moment to moment based on everything that's happened before this moment. And so I support parents in learning how to examine what the fuck they're up to through this like bespoke parenting framework that I've created. I love that you threw in that word bespoke because when when you first said kind of the the two options that are presented, I feel like logically then someone's like, oh, so it's like in the middle then that Nick is talking about. And Nick said, fuck that. I made my own stage. I made my whole. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'm like, what if we didn't determine it by either of those metrics yeah. and just like bead ourselves? Yeah. This is, this is, uh, I'm trying to think if I want to pull the word that you said or if I want to, let's go into it. Because one of the things I have written down and you you just said it. Um, is martyrdom, especially motherhood and martyrdom. I, you know, I've actually brought someone else on, um, and she talked specifically about this. But I love that you brought that up because it's something that I see. And so, you guys listening, um, I was explaining, to, I was trying to explain you guys the demographic to Nick beforehand, and uh, I know that a bunch of you. You know, you work, you have jobs, you have side hustles you're trying to start, and you're also superheroes, and you're trying to juggle it all. Uh, and I know this because the episode that Deanna came on, I'll link that in the show notes, it got really good feedback, and people were like, yes, this is me. And this concept of martyrdom came up. Can you speak to that? Anything you want to say about that, Nick? Sure. Um, basically, I think that martyrdom is based in contempt of thinking that someone knows what someone else needs and what is right for them and what is best for them more than they know that for themselves. And so martyrdom often comes with this like people pleasing and doing everything for someone else to the erasure of the actual human who's doing the martyring. And the thing that I think folks don't necessarily consider is when you raise your child, like if you're acting like a martyr and you raise your child centering them above all else, what they learn is how to be a grown-up who will erase themselves to center all others or to completely center themselves to the detriment of others. Like it's kind of, mm-hmm. and I'm making a very, like I'm painting mm-hmm. with a very broad stroke. This is not like a, I, I say things like they're facts and I really own that they are my beliefs. <laughs> I, I'm here for it, man. I'm here for it. Um, I want to keep rolling yeah. with that, Nick. If you have something to say, keep going. But if you don't, I, I want to roll with that. I, yeah, so that, well, just basically... The aspirations of martyrdom create this dynamic of, uh, do they create the dynamic? I would say they perpetuate the dynamic of the parent who, or the grown up who has learned how to be a martyr. They don't Mm -hmm. bring themselves fully online into the relationship that they have with the other, whether it's a child or not. And then they model for the child or for the other person, like, this is how, uh, this is how we engage in our relationship. I'm not here, do whatever you want. And so the child can grow up and learn either like, I don't need to be there. I'm supposed to do everything for someone else or like that they are the center of the universe or like, you know, yeah, something in between. But I think that the martyrdom piece is really um, like extractive and also though is painted as aspirational, especially as you said, for mothers. Yeah. It's fascinating to me what you're saying. One, I love 
your cadence. I love your tempo. I love your cadence. You speak like me and it makes me happy. I'm like, yes, give me this information quickly. I love it. <laughs> it's so good. It's so, so good. It's one of the cool things about podcasting, actually. And this is totally off topic. And I'm going to come back to what we're talking about. But one of the cool things about, to- about podcasting is when, like, I can't see Nick. Um, when I record podcasts, because I use a thing called Zencaster, um, And so I just see the sound waves. And so you can see literally how someone speaks. And there's certain people that I know I resonate more with. And you can literally see, like, you know, for my math nerds out there, you see the, the, the frequency there, and you're like, that matches really nicely. So it's really cool. I'm like, Nick is on it. I fucking love it. But back to what you said, fascinating to me because, you know, we we, we hear, like, yeah, kids, know they, they're like sponges. They take it all up. And we, we think of it in terms of, like, you know, I don't know, like when you curse or something, or like just typical behaviors. But I love that you go into this, this thing that I, I'm not even sure people think about and realizing like where they've put themselves and others in these relationships and how their their kids will, you know, adopt the same thing. You use the word contempt and you talked we talked about that on Monday and Wednesday and I was like really fascinated with that. Can you explain what that means? Yes. In Please. the current kind of rough, I'm still in very much the learning phase about contempt in in that kind of way. Yes, I will. Yes, yes. yes. What Come I as you for. are, please. Um, I am learning of contempt as being like a, essentially like a, <clears throat> a hierarchy thing. So, or a mm-hmm. supremacy thing where mm-hmm. I'm putting myself above the other or the other above myself. And I'm disregarding one or both of us in some way in order to well, in order in order to, so there are like a billion of them, but uh, essentially I will bring it into a, an example as it relates to parenting. Let's say like, so my child is three and a half years old and they are very clear on what they want basically like 100% of the time. They always know <laughs> what they want, right? Like, and it is this incredible thing of they just know. And yeah. um, I, for me, it is, it would be content, it, like, I, if, sorry, I'm, like, really, I'm having yeah. 72 thoughts land at the same time. So, it's cold, like, I feel cold outside. Let's say it's 12 degrees outside Fahrenheit, and we go outside, and I feel cold, and I'm trying to be like, hey, you feel cold, put on a jacket. Or like, mm-hmm. hey, like, it, mm-hmm. it's yeah. this way of teaching someone that they don't know what's best for them. Instead of me yes. being like, hey, how do you feel? We're outside. What's up? Yes like honoring them and trusting in their own knowing of their self to be like, Hey, I also feel cold. I would like a jacket or like, no, I'm cool. Cause there were a number of days this winter when my child just didn't want to wear a jacket and they were totally fine and they did not get sick. You know, like it's, there are these things where sometimes we create rules when they are not there. And often those can be like from contempt, like, Oh, I'm not allowed to say this because the other person might feel this way and that's not okay. Mm-hmm. Instead of like, this is what I have, I want to engage in conversation with the other person. What would it be like for me to bring it in a way and like be receptive to whatever they have? Like there's this societal norm shit that happens where we just get conditioned into making a whole fuck ton of assumptions about other people. Uh, and that's yeah. contempt. And also like assumptions about or decisions about what we are allowed to and not allowed to do. That's contempt. You said person. When does, and again, every question I'm asking is in your opinion, based on your experience. I know that that's where you're speaking from. 
an opinion because I feel like I feel like most people wouldn't use that word when they're speaking about kids. They'd be like, "I'm talking to a child," and they wouldn't decide. They wouldn't freely substitute the word person. Like there's almost like you almost like take away their agency because this like hierarchical age and experience thing. I don't. I don't know. I'm not a parent, but just the way that people like it was really interesting to me just now that you said person. When when does that become something that you see people using as a word to describe their kid? Um, like never. But that's not to say that they don't hold that for their child. Uh huh. It's, it's just really interesting that you said that. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. Said person. Very, very interesting. I was Can just also you... looking at my notes from yeah. yesterday, and the way that James Olivia Chu Hillman describes contempt is as disregarding someone else's innate worthiness and sovereignty. Yeah, the sovereignty piece is the one that's really often up for grabs in the parent-child relationship. Just so much yes and things that I don't understand, like especially like everything that's happening right now. And I don't I don't use the phrase everything that's happening right now to soften it, but literally trying to capture everything that's happening right now. And so much within like the LGBTQ plus community and things you see in terms of parents. I've never understood this. Parents that don't accept their kids or think they know, you know, more about their what would make this their child happy as it relates to the person that they want to be with. It's just that whole thing. I just, I see there's so much contempt there. That's like, that's a very strong word. I'm, I'm grateful that you, that you guys used it and uh, defined it. So I was like, fuck, man. Like, fuck. What the fuck? That's like what I have to say. What the, what the fuck? Like, ah. that's all I can say about it. Nick, yesterday, or no, no, not yesterday, Monday, you presented a framework and used a different word or different phrase that I was like, this is great. You talked about potty teaching, not mm-hmm. potty training. Right. I noticed you said potty teaching. Uh, and then you presented a framework about, you know, why, you know, giving people more time, essentially. To me, I interpret it as kind of giving people more time and realizing, like, where they're at and why it may take them a little bit longer, to, you know, some time to, like, change behavior or adapt or grow into new behaviors. Could you speak about potty teaching, why it's teaching, not training, and that framework of like, I didn't even know that I just took a dump. Oh, okay, I have to go now. That that was brilliant. It was brilliant. Yes, I would so love to. I love talking about poop. Okay, so (laughs) first of all, it's potty teaching because we're teaching these children how to go potty on the potty. And I think that that word training really smacks of the contempt that we have for children. Like, we need to train this child to take a dump mm-hmm. on the toilet. Like, it's a mm-hmm. fucking human. They're like this yeah. human person who is learning how to go potty on the toilet. We are teaching them to go potty on the toilet. Okay. So, like, that's the the training piece to me is so, again, that the hierarchical, like, yucky supremacy piece that creeps in there where, like, they're two, three, four, whatever age they are. Like, so, so young, so young. Like, I don't want to, yeah. So, so that's the potty teaching piece. And the four stages. So I have a child who learned how to go potty on the potty a couple, I don't know, it was last year. And when two? I was reading, two and a half, yeah. Like two. Bless. Wow. 
What is that? A, I mean, I think I don't know. Like I have no idea. What but that's just seems, You're just making so arbitrary. <laughs> I'm like, I have a nephew, and he's like around that age. I'm like, pretty sure he doesn't go. And I'm just like, that's so little. They're like, they're so little. It's true. But sorry, go ahead. It's so little. Yes, uh, they were ready. That's why we didn't do like a we're gonna do this. They were just like <laughs> they had, they started taking their diaper off all the time. So we're like, uh, cool. I guess you're ready uh, for this. Okay, and then they were. Cool. Um, so I was totally reading books though about like. <clears throat> what is this process even like? It's not something that I've done before, except when I mm-hmm. did it as a whatever year old. Um, <laughs> so in a book, I don't remember who the author is, but it's called Oh Crap Potty Training is the name of the book. <laughs> um, okay. The author provides these four stages of potty teaching, which are essentially like the milestones for folks to watch for. And so the four stages are... I might be numbering them backwards, but whatever. So let's say stage one is that the child has no idea that they've just peed or pooed. Stage two is they're like, oh my God, I just did that thing. That thing that y'all have been talking about, I just did it. I just peed, I just pooed. Uh, The third stage is, oh, it's happening right now. There's poop coming out of my anus. And then the fourth stage is, oh, I'm right about to, like I need to. They can anticipate that this is a need that is not currently happening, but is about to. And so the way that I parallel that with like increasing our self-awareness and understanding ourselves more clearly is like often, so just blanket statement again, uh, for me, I was born and raised in the United States and the cycle of socialization here as, which is something that was developed by Bobby Haro, the cycle of socialization, like I was, I was subject to all of the supremacy power dominance systems of oppression and stuff stuff before I was even born like that was just a given it would just be a given that I would be born into this culture and if you take like gender reveals I'm doing air quotes as an example where people are already like deciding who their children are based on their in utero genitals makes me so uncomfortable the binary construct of gender is fucking strong here right and it is a construct it is not real But people, as soon as they see a penis, they're like, okay, blue and sports and Mm -hmm. all these other things, right? And so, so point being, conditioning, it just is. It's here. It's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I didn't know for a really long time. I didn't know that I was taking dumps all over the place. And the example that I like to give is like the way that I was modeled responding to feeling sad was to get angry. So whenever I would feel sad, because in my family, we didn't necessarily talk about like unpleasant emotions, like the ones that are kind of harder or maybe more unpleasant in our bodies, we didn't hold space for those. So it was, I think maybe, well, I don't know, just what I saw was we didn't really get sad. We just got angry. And so that's what I learned how to do. And it took me however long to realize like, oh, I don't really like this. I don't really like this thing. Oh my God, I've been doing this thing for Mm -hmm. however long I've been doing it. And that's the point when I went from like unconsciously doing it, like stage one to stage two, where I would be able to be like, oh my God, I just did that thing. Yes. I just felt sad and instead lashed out at someone. Instead of being like, hey, I feel sad, I'd lashed out at somebody. Right. And then it was, and stage like the stage three version of that would be like, oh, I'm having feelings right now and I'm getting angry. I am angry and I'm having this experience of covering yes. up my sadness with anger, like in the moment. Then I would start to notice when I was doing it. And then recently, um, 
in a conversation with my husband, he said something and I felt sad about it. And I just didn't say anything for a little bit. And I processed what was happening within me. And then I was just like, oh, I feel hurt and sad about the thing that you just said. But I did not turn back on him. I didn't do passive aggressive lashing out. Mm -hmm. I didn't do withdrawing. I didn't do like the different ways in which I used to avoid just expressing and owning my sadness. Um, And so those are the four stages. Like we don't know what we did, what we were up to because we get conditioned into this shit. As James Olivia says, like we come by it honestly. We come by it honestly. We get conditioned into it. No one's necessarily talking about it with us. And once we figure, once we find out this is the thing that we've been doing and we can see in the rearview mirror, like, oh, my God, look at all those turds on the street that I've just oh. been flinging. <laughs> um, then we have, like, all of this is, like, a, a layer and layer and layer of decision making. Yes. Do I choose to observe the thing? Do I choose to own the thing? Do I choose to try to change the way that I engage with it? Do I choose to resource myself to be able to make a different decision? Do I choose to learn a skill to be able to do this differently? Like, it's not just, oh, once I I have, oh gosh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'm just gonna go down this road. There's this quote by Maya Angelou, which is like, when you know better, you do better. Or like, that's the Mm -hmm. part that gets shared. Yes. And while I agree with it, I only agree with it because I have done a shit ton of processing around what that means for me. Mm-hmm. What used to happen was I would take it at the surface level and think that once I knew something like, oh, now I know that when I feel angry or when I feel sad, I lash out in anger. That I would do better meant that every time that like just because mm-hmm. I knew that that's what I did, that every time I would know that I would jump from like stage yeah. two to stage four and somehow be able to always do that thing, which again, this is like, this is the interpretation that I have made that I used to make on the quote. Like, I don't yeah. know. I haven't gone after understanding with Maya Angelou. I don't know, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what all she meant by that. And the, what I've taken away and in many conversations that I've had with other people who have used this exact same quote, what they also took away was as soon as you have the awareness of a thing, you need to immediately be able to always do it differently across the board. Yeah, and that's where and that's, I'm like, you can't yeah, jump that's not, stages. Dude, fuck. Yes. Like, you've blown my mind here and the pieces <laughs> are falling into place. I actually just, I have a podcast episode that came out, uh, I don't know, I put it up two, three weeks ago. That was the title of it. When you know better, you do better. Oh, um, shit. <laughs> uh, this is so, so good. Um, that was a great episode, you guys. Allison Tenney came on. It was phenomenal. If you haven't listened to it, definitely check it out. But I love this. Uh, and there's t- so many tie- tie-ins here. Uh, you guys that are listening, my movement folks, I put this on my Instagram not too long ago. Just it, This is very similar to our four stages of learning. All right, when I talk about it, I'm talking about it in terms of movement acqui- or skill, uh, movement skill, if we will, a- acquisition. But it's the same... It's the exact same, guys, right? We go into that unconscious, and the word they use is incompetence, but unconscious incompetence, conscious incompetence, conscious competence, and then unconscious competence. You're just doing that thing. Yeah. You you fucking hit the nail on the head. I'm like, oh, yeah, that doesn't fucking make any sense. You can't go from just noticing it to then being like, now I'm a professional. And it's it's, it's ingrained in me. I'm like, I think uh, James Olivia said, yes, I'm pulling up my notes from yesterday. I think James Olivia, I guess, said it on Monday. Uh, that when we go from awareness to action, we fall into saviorism. Yeah, I was like, "Damn, I have that bolded." I'm like, "This, this, you just put put that out there so simply." And I'm like, "Fuck, you're right. That's yeah. We need some, we need some time." So originally, guys, I, I brought this question up. 
um, just because the way that Nick had painted it was why, you know, why you have to be time, the time it takes for things, for people to grow and learn and acquire these skills. We have to remember that. So when people just become aware of things or when you yourself, like giving yourself this grace, when you just become aware of this, it's going to take time. It's not like as soon as, okay, I'm aware now and I see it. And now like every time I'm going to know what to do, every time I'm going to know how to act, every time I'm going to just do it automatically. Like we have to have, have that, 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 that grace that we, that we give people. Yes, because that do better piece is it's for both of these for knowing better and doing better. Our definitions need to be so clear. For me, knowing being able to regurgitate something that someone else said to me, or being able to even just regurgitate like, oh, shit, when I feel sad, I lash out in anger. Okay, that's one level of knowing. And what does it mean for me to be able to recognize it when it's just happened? And what does it mean for me to know when it's happening? And what does it mean for me to know what it feels like right before it happens? And what does it mean Mm -hmm. for me to know how I want to respond instead? And what does it mean for me to know the skill that I would use in order to shift the way that I respond, right? Like in order to actually Mm. do better, where it means from by my definition of that, do better means like make the change that I want to make regarding this behavior that I have discovered does not work for me. And like there is a, there are a lot of stages between being able to regurgitate a fact and having the embodied wisdom and in an unconscious competence yeah. at being able to actually consistently and sustainably do better, like respond to a stimulus differently. Yeah. I want to keep going with that concept of sustainability. One of the things that uh, you have a whole workshop on that I could not get into uh, is this concept that I and I just you guys and this in this you know like this, this so you guys listening uh the name of the workshop was supremacy culture and relational fuckery in our most important relationships James Olivia, James Olivia True Hillman presented it and uh, Nick moderated and it was fucking awesome it was two days it was Monday and Wednesday I really like the setup it was like three hours each day actually just, just, everything around it was done really well uh, so during that uh, workshop. Uh, this concept of capacity came up a, a number of times. That wasn't the center, the main focus, but it came up a bunch of times, and I was really, like, really uh, interested in that. So, in terms of you know sustainability and even just having the ability to do this, to me, capacity really has a large role there. And just in terms of the, my people and what they're trying to do and how they're trying to move through life, capacity is everything. Could you, Nick? define this concept and again in your in your terms and then we'll go down that rabbit hole yes let's do it so i think of capacity really literally as like the energy and resources that i have to do things Mm -hmm. (laughs) like just yeah to be to show up in the world and like be certain ways of being and do certain things and um, engage in relationships like that. I think of it as such a basic cliche, like analogy, but like the gas in the tank yeah, or, car or whatever, like literally just like, <laughs> this is the thing that makes me go that gives me the ability to do things like energetically the ability mm-hmm. to do things. And in terms of having this, is this innate Meaning, is this not innate? Is this fixed? Is it finite? Can this? Can we change this? Can we grow it? I believe that we can definitely change and grow it. Um, 
And I believe that trauma can mm. shrink it. Like, I think that trauma can, or rather that like trauma has a really real impact on our ability to access and cultivate and like use our capacity. Yeah, that came up yesterday and I was like, wow. So as it, I kind of want to, I'm like, do I want to keep going down this? As it relates then to, as it relates to, I don't know if I, the words is free agency or choice. Um, right? Because my people, the people listening to this, they're busy. They got a ton of shit going on. Life is changing. The world is changing. And they are, uh, you know, juggling the things, working on not using all the gas and, and you know, trying to save it for other things. One of the things that I like about you a lot is, and your bio says it specifically, is that you share questions and thoughts, not how-tos. So I'm not going to ask you, like, well, how can they expand their capacity? <laughs> but what – I, I really do love that you have them. I'm like, that is so fucking good. What are your thoughts then on – because you, you're a parent. What are your thoughts then on navigating life, creating, you know, creating this capacity, having this space for yourself, and to be able to pursue this goal, to be able to you know, help that – help teach that that person that you're raising what are your thoughts surrounding capacity and that because i feel like that people really struggle with that they're just like i just they're, they're burning the candle at both ends there's, there's just so much yes there's so much yeah. um so the bespoke framework for parenting like this thing that i created it's called the five c's of bespoke parenting um it is the framework that i use to be able to help orient people toward being able to understand what they are bringing into their experiences. So the five C's are clarity of values, um, conditioning, competence, context, and capacity. So clarity of values is like what guides you? What are your actual values? And so there's, I have this like 50 page PDF that I've created, which has a bunch of questions wow. to offer to start prompting people into thinking about these lenses that they basically experience their entire lives through and construct their experiences of life, of life through. And in the way that we are conditioned, so conditioning is the second C. I mean, they're not like hierarchical. It's just, I uh -huh. just think of them in my brain as being <laughs> in that order. Like our conditioning directly impacts the values that we are, un that we unconsciously take on as children. And if we haven't taken the time as grownups to really dig into what our actual true values are um, while taking into consideration what we were conditioned to believe we were supposed to value, mm -hmm. then our compass will be kind of off because it's like, mm -hmm. who's actually, who is this attuned to, right? Like whose yes. north is this? Um, mm -hmm. So taking the time to get clear on one's values and then conditioning, taking the time to unpack all of the ways in which somebody's conditioning has impacted them from their family of origin, from culture, from systems of oppression, school, institutions, all of the different ways in which people get conditioned. They acquire all kinds of beliefs. Again, they're unconsciously interpreting the world around them and the cycle of socialization is just kind of perpetuating all of it. It just happens. Mm -hmm. It's just a natural thing that is like mm -hmm. natural, not meaning innate, but rather it is a conditioned way in which we have all learned how to just be in the world as humans. Conditioning just happens. We don't question it. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then so the competence piece is about like literally what skills and practices have I unconsciously learned in my life and 
which ones do I want to consciously cultivate? Because I have, like, I'm autistic and I didn't know until very recently that I'm autistic, but all hmm. I learned all kinds of skills unconsciously hmm. to be able to, like, mask and fit in and belong mm -hmm. and, like, have the feeling of, like, other people like me, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, I didn't realize how skilled I was at all of those things and how habitually I could just pull on certain skills in certain situations because of the way that I, that my brain works and that how I interpreted how social circles work and what people are okay with and what they're not okay with and all of that kind of shit. I do what I call like this, like really fake math. Like I'm just doing all kinds of calculations yeah. all the time without necessarily checking in with the other. And it's contempt again, it's contempt. Um, like I'm making assumptions about what's okay and not okay. And I'm holding myself to these arbitrary standards, um, in order to like be loved and fit in. Mm -hmm. And so there are these unconscious skills that I have. And when people don't acknowledge or do an inventory of the ways in which they've learned how to cope, it can be really hard to just cultivate like new skills on top of those if they don't know that the underlying ones are there and still operating. So that's where like the yeah. competence piece is about highlighting what you are bringing into this moment and what you want to cultivate from here forward. And it's not, again, it's not like a clean thing that everything's just kind of going to be there in this world. Mm -hmm. um, context is about the ways in which like, what expectations do I have of myself right now? What expectations do I have of the other or any others? And what expectations do I have of the, of the world? And then also like, what expectations do I think others have of me, of themselves and of the world right now? Because context changes everything. I can be, I live with my parents and mm -hmm. I'm also married and we have a three and a half year old child. And so it can be as simple as like, I'm playing downstairs in the family room with me and my kid. And then my dad walks in, literally nothing else has changed. Just my dad walks in, but all of the expectations that I have and my internal, like, under like my decisions about how I behave and what I think is okay and how I can be talking to my own kid, all of these things change because my dad is my dad. Like he's been in my life for my whole life and he, his beliefs and the way that he raised me are different than what I'm up to. Uh. And that is still my most like habituated response to my, my like the knee jerk reaction that I have mm -hmm. to judgment or the knee jerk reaction that, cause I'm still building my capacity to, engage with it differently a lot of it came from how I was parented by my parents mm -hmm. so context if I can't acknowledge the expectations that I am putting on myself on others in the world that I think they're putting on me others in the world like I'm just kind of again like perpetuating this like unconscious conditioning that I was that I've experienced in my lived experience and so capacity is the one which is literally what do I have the energy and resources to do right now Right now, what do I want to cultivate? What do I want to learn? How do I want to grow my capacity? And like we were discussing yesterday in the workshop, like trauma impacts our access to our capacity. And especially, for example, in those whoosh moments, like when, um, when we become flooded with adrenaline in a moment, in that moment, our ability to respond is very much determined by what is physically happening in our bodies. And so acknowledging that, and also acknowledging that we're not always flooded with adrenaline, presumably. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, what decisions can we make in a time when we're not flooded with adrenaline to be able to build a capacity and a skill to be able to take care of ourselves 
when that flooding happens, because I am of the mind that like, I can't stop the flooding from happening. Yes. And this is what James Olivia was talking about too. Like I can't stop the flooding from happening, but I am responsible for how I respond to it. Yes. And I can take responsibility for that. Yeah. My arms are in the air. You guys listening? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, 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 yes. We see such an overlap there. Can you say that last line again? I am not something, something. Um, I can't stop the flooding from happening, but I am responsible for how I navigate it. Something like that. Yes. Yes. You guys listening, here's, we're going to have a nice little overlap for you guys. You have to listen around the edges. I'm going to tell you directly. All of that stuff we see on social media about ice baths, um, about breath work and things like that. Um, But name particularly ice baths. It is an attempt to get better at this skill right here. So we know the sympathetic response is going to happen no matter what. So any of you guys that are, that are doing the ice baths and things like that, the goal is not to suppress the sympathetic response. It has to happen. It keeps us alive. The goal is to create a moment using breath so that we can better, quote unquote, respond to, or we can choose, I'll use that instead. We can choose then how we respond to that sympathetic response. This is how we see the carryover, but how ice baths could help you not be so, you know, uh, have such a knee-jerk reaction to trolls on social media. Because it's the same thing that happens. You get that sympathetic response, you get that flood of adrenaline, and the question is, what do you do next? Do you give yourself a moment? Are you able to control that? Are you able to take a breath, which then allows you to think and go through that, that cycle, which we spoke about before, and then have those responses we see that overlap there when you guys spoke about this yesterday i was like this is the most amazing thing that i've ever heard holy fucking shit so these things are these these five c's nick yeah this is a lot yeah two questions coming i want to be a bad host here two questions coming from this right number one how do you teach this and work to people like what's your framework for this and you have like a course something like that uh and then two this is like a, and I'm going to assume yes, but this is a lifelong practice? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. A billion percent yes to the second question. Absolutely a lifelong practice. And and so to, to tie it back to what you were talking about with like ice baths and being able to slow one's knee-jerk response down, to like how are they, have a little space to decide like how do I want to yeah. respond to this, but we can't get rid of the flooding. Like yeah. something else that I also want to name is our society promotes this story of like that happiness is the ultimate goal mm. or that like that it just, it's so one-sided. Like my mm-hmm. desire is to support folks in experiencing the fullness of their human experience and learning how to hold space for all of it. And it's not, I don't feel sad, I just feel happy because that's Mm -hmm. A, impossible, and B, that's not the human experience. Like I think that we are not here to only experience joy. I think that Mm -hmm. joy doesn't feel like joy unless we have the other side of it. You know, like all, it's just, I think about the stories people often, I think they tried to maybe like, and this is me. So like, ask me how I know. I know this because it was me. I was like, oh, I'm going to meditate because I'm then, then I will only experience like the better emotions again yeah. in super quotes, like the more pleasant yeah. thing. 
if I can do breath work and meditation and therapy and all of these other things, then I can spend more of my time just hanging out in the pleasant emotions. Mm -hmm. And that to me is like, I have a no for that in the sense of like, I want to be more fully in my whole experience of life. I I don't want to pretend like I don't feel sad if I feel sad, sad. Like being a parent, I've experienced grief every fucking day because my child is constantly changing and Mm -hmm. I miss who they used to be and I miss who I used to be. And there is a constant grief in that. And if I were to try to get rid of it, it would be like, denying an entire part of what it means for me to have my lived experience on a day-to-day basis. I love that. I love that. And I think that's something that's not brought up and not clarified, not clear. Like I love that the fullness of the human experience. So fucking good. I have all the notes here. All this is so, so fucking good. So yes, the lifetime and when I'm talking about all of this, for me, it's about experience more, bringing more me into my entire life and into my relationships and into everything that I be and do. And it's not about trying to get rid of the stuff that I feel, mm-hmm. that, like not trying to get rid of the innate human stuff. That's just a part yes. of how we are. Um, yeah. And to your first question yeah. about how I teach it, I have a super dope class Um I have my first cohort is already going there. Um, I have five folks in there along with me and we meet on Saturdays for 90 minutes and we're working through like they just bring what they have and mm-hmm. I reflect things back through the lenses mm-hmm. of like the bespoke parenting framework. So it's not necessarily just like I am teaching this and you can come consume it. It's just like, <laughs> hey, like, similar to what James Olivia did where they... Yes like we just had real conversations and then they talked about like, this is supremacy culture and like, this is a thing that's coming mm-hmm. up. Similarly in the group uh, with my five folks, we just talk about parenting stuff and what they're up to. And they start to reflect, they're reflecting on things through the lenses of these because it helps them to orient. Cause I have this saying, which is understanding makes room for conscious choices. So Ooh, like that. understanding makes room for conscious choices it does not obligate or demand <laughs> that I make the conscious choices. It just gives me more access. It's kind of that same, like, gives me the moment after the flooding moment when I have understanding about mm-hmm, what's happening to me, when I have understanding of, like, oh, my dad walked in the door and this is the stuff that I have coming up right now. What do I want to do with it? Yes. It's a question of, like, what now? And yes. I may choose to continue to limit myself in those ways. I may choose to not talk about poop and farts because my dad doesn't like to, you know, like, but I, that's a decision that I am consciously making. That's my whole thing is like, I want to turn unconscious stuff into conscious stuff. So then I know what I'm doing and that I'm actively choosing it. So that's what we're doing in our classes. Like we're cultivating understanding and making room for folks to make conscious choices. And because it's the work of a lifetime, we are in a lot of ways focusing a lot on the understanding piece and then these folks will go out and they are figuring out like what kinds of conscious choices do they want to be making are there other skills they want to learn are there like some of them are coming to my capacity workshop you know like they're different Mm -hmm. um because i don't i like i like you said in my bio like i'm not giving how to's i'm not going to tell someone how to increase their capacity because that shit is as unique as every human 
So yeah, I have a course. Everybody who's interested. Where, where, where can they find this stuff? Everybody. I know. <laughs> where can they find all this? Uh, so on Instagram is probably like the easiest way to find me. My handle is at Nickstrack, N-I-C-S-T-R-A-C-K. And on my on the link in my bio, there's a link to my um, to the parenting course and to my Patreon page if you want to sign up for that and to the free resource that I created for folks who are parenting through this pandemic. Um, and yeah, also my website, www.nickstrack.com, N-I-C-S-T-R-A-C-K. Yeah. Um, under the, I think it's like working together or something page. I don't know. I change that website like all the time. So I don't even know what's on it right now, but I know that there's a page for the new, uh, for the second cohort of the course is called Parenting is Personal. Because the whole thing that I talk about is all yeah. parenting starts with you. Like folks want so much to just focus on their kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, surprise, yeah. it all starts with <laughs> you and what you're bringing into this experience and the expectations that you have of them and all that stuff. So yeah, um, the next cohort starts on August 8th. Oh, this will be out way before then, guys. So yes. it will be all in the show notes for those of you that for whatever reason still don't have show notes. Um, whatever player you're listening to on because I know some of the players don't have it which is weird to me but uh, you guys can go to Instagram and check out Nick's track or check out website consistent branding I love it I love it I'm not done with you yet so we're not wrapping up just yet I have I have I have questions here Um, which direction do I want to go in I'm going to save that one for the end I think it's the most important Okay, okay let's talk about this golden rule okay Let's take a little. <laughs> Let's talk about you guys. Definitely go check out Nick's Instagram. Uh, they the, the outline that the outline the format that they use is I personally love it. You can really just see things that it hits you right in the face right away, and you're like, oh. And then you go read, and it's just, it's just done very well. So Nick has a post. Uh, let me go scroll, 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 scroll. That quite simply says, "Fuck the golden rule," and then below in parentheses it says. And fuck the platinum rule, too. Nick, what are your feelings on the golden rule? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love the question. Okay, clearly I have a fuck no for the golden rule. And it's very, like, uh, temporally relevant that we're talking about this because someone just commented on that thread this morning. So I got a lot of of comments on that post uh, when I put it up. And... um, Initially, I was in the comments, like trying to go after understanding what people had about it. Different people have understood it in different ways. And therefore, they had different feelings about my very <laughs> aggressive, like, fuck the golden rule. Yeah. Uh, I'm here for it. That's, that's it. <laughs> I was like, yes. Yes. Um, Period. So the way that I was raised to understand the golden rule is like, do unto others as they would have done unto, as you would have done unto you. And by that, I am. Like the meaning that people talk about is like an example that they do with kids. It's like, hey, mm-hmm. um, you're not sharing with that kid. How would you feel if someone didn't share with you? Right. So that's how they, they they're not like, let's talk about how that other kid actually feels yeah. instead of uh-huh. relating to the other. They just ask, well, yep. how would you feel if someone didn't share with you? Yeah. Right. So let me yes. just so that perpetuates this like your response is the same as theirs. And you should act as if your response is the one that they're going to have and then treat them like they're you. 
Like that is how I have learned that phrase. There were a couple of folks in the comments who understood it to be much more about like the golden rules, like honor the humanity of everyone else and like regard them and what they have and also regard yourself and what you have in your relating with them or whatever, like some version of that. And I was like, yeah. damn, I have literally never heard it like I that. Know, like, that's I did, deep. All right. That sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I would have okay, a yes cool. like yes that's I believe that's cool, cool. that's how I feel about engaging right. with other humans um but yeah someone this morning said that my description I took it um it was far too literal or something and like over the top and I was like bro Wait, a I'm autistic <laughs> like don't even come at me with that ableist shit because I literally yeah. take everything very literally that's yes. just how I process and over the top, like to me, it's not over the top for me to be like, I think it's ridiculous to try to project what we believe to be true for us onto someone else and assume that it's also their truth, right? Like, and the platinum rule for folks who aren't familiar is do unto others as they would have done unto them. And so what I think is missing in that is like, but do I want to do that unto them? Right? Like, where's me and my, like, it's me. Yeah. Oh, if they, that to me is like martyrdom shit. Mm-hmm. actually it's like not even quite martyrdom because you're not necessarily checking in with what they want but it's just the whole thing to me is the pendulum swing of like either I center myself in my experience or I just center the other in theirs and for me the yeah. third way is about like regarding what I have what I want to do relating to them finding out what they have and what they want to do and then operating from that place and so that's where I'm like fuck the golden rule and the platinum rule when they are interpreted as only honoring the humanity of one person it's kind of like intent versus impact yes totally a hundred percent and i i'm sitting here i'm not gonna lie and maybe this comes out it's gonna sound bad but i'm like am i autistic because this is the exact same way i inter the stuff that we talked about and we had the discussion on the on the the workshop like i take things very much that that as how it's said like that's it and that's how i like to present that this is so yes, all that to say, yes, I spot on, and this concept of relating. I, I think to me, and you guys brought this up, and I loved it, is, you know, urgency. And right? you know, urgency playing into supremacy culture, and it's almost like people, the urgency that's to me wrapped into this golden rule of like, here's a quick fix, here's a quick approach. Like to take to tie to to relate, it takes time to like sit yeah. there and try to understand and be like, what do I want? What do they want? What are we both bringing to this? Like it takes time, and people are like, I don't fucking have time for that. I'm just gonna do what I think you want, and right. I'm gonna just do what I think society says is the right thing to do. Which is like, yeah. I, I guess you know, I get it. It comes from a good place, but. You know, you guys had had spoken about this and how uh, the the way to start, I guess, dismantling. And this will take us into the next question. Um, I don't know if the word dismantling was used, but working, you know, dismantling will say um, urgency is care. And I was like, yes, that, that makes sense because it takes time. Right. And force you to, to slow down a bit and be like, what is going on? What what are the circumstances surrounding this? Yeah. Nick, the question that was thrown at you or rather the responses that were given to you um, about, like, I don't know if they use the word sovereignty or whatever, but would you guess perhaps that these people grew up having that and so that's why they interpreted the rule like that? 
Oh, like that they had been honored in their sovereignty kind yeah. of thing. And like, that's yeah. how they experienced the golden rule. I yeah. do not, I have no idea. I did not go after I understanding. Like, I did not want to engage yeah, with I liked a lot. A lot. This isn't, it's in the caption, in the comments. It's always like, eh, how, how, how deep do we go with this? I'm always interested in general, Nick, what's your experience with, with comments in the caption, comments in the, on social media? Are people actually trying to like converge or are they just trying to swing their dick? Are those the only two options? <laughs> I'm going to give you a binary here. Are they trying? Yes. I, I really. <laughs> those are the only two. I mean, Honestly, do you have, I'm... have you experienced a third? <laughs> I, I make, a, let's just say, I make a lot of assumptions on what people are up to in the comments. And yeah. I do not always go after understanding them as they want to be understood. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know what they're up to. I will say that I have a whole lot of internal shit that I get to explore whenever I get comments from people. Yeah, man, I'm right there with you. My own shit. Dude, <laughs> and you guys hit the nail on the head yesterday. You said, um, you know, you go and you scroll through. And anytime you see a big block of text... I get that that whoosh. I get that visceral response. I'm like, oh my god, what is this? Yeah. Like, I don't know. To me, like, if the person, I'm not about. I'm not trying to not talk to someone and understand them. But to me, if someone really had that much to say and they wanted to have a discussion, and again, it's my assumptions, they would DM me. But when you put it in this pub, very public forum, it's like it, it comes off to me. One again, I would based on my experiences and such that I'm bringing to the table. It just comes off as such attention seeking behavior that I'm like do you want to have this discussion with me or are you trying to just get your story out there are you trying to get more people to support you like i am always here to have a discussion and work towards understanding but when it's you know someone's handing out a demo tape at what i consider to be my concert i'm like wait what what's happening here so i, I don't know social media is an interesting space yeah i think yeah. i have i have mixed assumptions about that too because i've also seen people be like um, please post this in the comments. It's meant to be a public discussion. And mm -hmm. so like for the person yes. who's posting it, that they want their yes. labor to be like whatever labor they may be doing to be public or something. So yes. I don't, I don't know. Yes. I, I know exactly what's happening in me when I get those long comments <laughs> and I have a whoosh, like yes, I will be I very whoosh. frank about the thing that I'm doing is I'm trying to figure out who's right and who's wrong. <laughs> Yes, I'm trying to figure out if they're telling me that I'm wrong or if I'm about to tell them that they're wrong, right? Like yes. essentially it's that shit. That's the fuckery mm. that we're yes. talking about, like the yes. binary and the right wrong and the one right way and the black and white thinking, like all of these things are there. Yeah. And the urgency piece, oh my God, the urgency piece is there for me. Like if I've seen a comment, I just, I like won't give myself time sometimes to not respond from the whoosh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, it's been like truly it sounds kind of basic but it's truly been some like excellent learning for me because the more that i say things fairly matter of factly on my page because it is what i believe to be true mm -hmm. the more often folks will be like um what or like have more of a yes. more yes. energy behind their response or like more activation mm -hmm. potentially yeah. or sometimes it's just like a shit ton of folks being like oh my god yeah okay cool yeah, yeah I love this. you know like that kind of stuff which like yep. i'm here for and also again like what i don't know what i'm up to in the comments i'll just be honest about that like i've only started to get more engagement like way more engagement in just about the last month or so and Got so it. i'm still navigating my own desires around the comments um because gotcha. i don't 
Instagram is not going to be the place or the way in which I support people in changing their lives. I don't believe yeah. I don't believe that's <laughs> that they're going to read a post and they're going to go and like. It says instant in, in the name. <laughs> so. Right. Like, exactly. So like, but maybe, I don't know if y'all are out there and you're reading my post and you said like, go and change your whole life. Amazing. Cool. I'm very excited for you. And for me, it's an invitation to a deeper conversation. That's why I have like my mm-hmm. workshop and my Patreon mm-hmm. and my course and stuff where we can engage in conversation. God, I love that. An invitation to a deeper conversation. Yeah. It's so good. I'm writing all these things down. So good. You're so good with the words. You're so good. All right. I'm, I'm keeping my eye, my eye on the time. So we're going to wrap up soon. But I have two things. And um, I'm going to ask both of them because I want to. And I can't. Because right. it's, my, it's my show. So uh, something you said yesterday, which I, I thought was just, again, spot on. I basically agree with everything you say. I'm like, yes. Uh, I, you said, I do not believe that curiosity and judgment can coexist. Can you speak on that? Yes. I do not believe that curiosity and judgment can coexist. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so. No, no, done. I agree. Like, <laughs> curiosity, I believe, is being rooted in an openness and a true desire to know another to understand them as they want to be understood to put my own shit aside Mm -hmm. and like follow them through their experience as they share it with me and try to like without me trying to fix or without me trying to put a filter on like a right wrong or this that or make it about me like not trying to Mm -hmm. oh when you say that you don't like that thing I'm taking it personally so now I'm not even still like curious about what's happening because I'm judging me like it's not just me being curious about the other um but i believe that curiosity is truly coming from a place of like openness receptivity and a desire to learn and understand and i think that judgment comes from a place of like having already decided what's true whether it's about me or the other or the story or the circumstances or the society or the whatever whatever like if i am coming into something already thinking that someone is wrong or that i am wrong or whatever it is I'm not actually curious because it's a foregone conclusion that someone is already right and wrong in this, right? Like, or that somebody is already like the judgment. If it's, if I'm coming into something with judgment, then I'm not actually open and receptive to learning. And it's different for some, if someone says convince me, I'm like, I'm out because you You have named so many of the things. Like I see these things that I'm like uh I so I, one of the things I say is like I left the business of convincing a long time ago like I oh God, <laughs> I feel bad it feels bad in my body I'm like I don't know I won't do that God, right oh, basically I'm obsessed with you okay <laughs> last go- <laughs> last thing God, this is so I, I just want to kind of circle back actually before I go to the last thing okay. um, as they want to be understood that is so powerful to me yeah, like it's just so, so. Suppose someone says, um, and I kind of have an answer in my head, but like suppose someone says, "Well, that person told me they don't know how they want to be understood." Okay. Then, how do you approach? And I'm exactly I'm asking for a how to, but if someone yeah. was to say that, uh, what are your thoughts around? still approaching that situation then and and presenting you know 
what is the question you guys asked yesterday? Like, how do you, where is it? Where is it? Uh, how do you show your curiosity for the people you love? Uh, if that if there is that air of that person says they, they don't know what they want they don't know then they don't know i love it like my understanding of another is limited by their understanding of themselves and if i think that i know more about them than they know about their themselves hello contempt dude preach and I just want to super shout out that like my teacher Jen McCabe is the one from whom I've been learning so much of this stuff about like the four skills, which James Olivia talked about yesterday, um, mm -hmm. understanding the other as they want to be understood, like understanding what true empathy is, which is not trying to mm -hmm. necessarily just put myself in someone else's shoes. But like, so all of these different things I have been learning yes. about um, from Jen McCabe. So shout out, Jen. I love you. I doubt she's going to listen to this. She's got other stuff to do. <laughs> How dare you say that? <laughs> I'm sorry. No. Oh, it wasn't about you. That was about me. My bad. <laughs> It's always about me. I've had a tendency centering <laughs> Me too. Uh, I love what you just said there. You guys, I'm going to draw another parallel here, all right, for our movement people. We know, and we've all been moving towards this. This We, we see it on Instagram, and we don't like it. The red X, green check mark that says, this is the right way to move. This is the wrong way to move. We've all felt that and been like, we don't like that. And I think that what Nick is doing today is putting to words why it feels bad in our body and why we don't like teaching from that place, why we don't like putting that on people and having that approach. Why? Because it's saying, I know more about you than you know about yourself. We've been talking about this. We've been we've been dancing, maybe perhaps a little bit around this conversation, you know, in the movement world. But this that that's that purse that piece right there, that contempt piece. When you go in, and this is what we've all been saying when we're trying to have people advocate for themselves uh, to their doctors, to their whoever their providers and surgeons, because they the, the other people don't know more. They have information that could be helpful for sure. I'm right. not saying that, right? But they don't know your experience. They don't know better we can we shouldn't you know let's not assume that and let's not put that under the people so this yeah. you see you guys how much this relates everything that nick is saying relates to what we what we do uh, so the last thing nick and then i'm gonna let you go okay <laughs> last thing you said something very early on in the discussion um on monday and i think it's super relevant to everything that's going on right now again i'm not using that to downplay the situations um but overwhelm is a very real thing and when we start to see like well you know if i'm just looking at your your five c's and i'm like that's like so much and then then you start looking at just like unpacking this and you're just like well chicken or the egg and like it's just like it's everywhere and like what do i where do i start you said something and i'm just gonna scope verbatim if action feels inaccessible start with simply noticing could you just maybe speak a little bit about the chisel and I don't know, the chisel analogy, if you will, I don't even know if it was an analogy, but just this concept of where to start. Yes. God, that was such a brilliant thing I said that I didn't remember it saying. <laughs> I wrote it down. I was like, this is so good. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, yeah, I, I even might add on to it, like, sometimes don't do the action until you've done the noticing. Because where we have this tendency to swing toward action to relieve the tension that we're feeling of having whatever feelings we're feeling. So 
uh, let's say, for example, I to go back to my earlier example. Oh, I've just discovered that I lash out um, when I feel sad. I lash out in anger when I feel sad. And then Mm -hmm. probably because I discovered that like 10 years ago, the next thing that I tried to do was to always catch myself before it would happen. I tried to jump from stage two to stage four. And so the like, without actually observing and learning more about what does this look like? When does it happen? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? What do I do in my head Mm -hmm. when I'm experiencing this, when I am up to this? If I don't do the true understanding of like what the fuck is happening, if I don't look in the rearview mirror and then like go and park the car and go back and look at those turds, like (laughs) it is going to be so like, how the fuck am I supposed to know what to do next? How I can't even really. And so there's this like, cause like James Olivia was talking about Barbara J. Love's um, framework for liberatory consciousness Mm -hmm. for which the steps are um, awareness, analysis, accountability, action. There are three things that happen before action. And if you've just gotten an awareness of something, there is still analysis and accountability for you to get up to before taking the action. And there is the degree to like, again, with Jen McCabe, we were talking about this last week in a learning container that I was in with her, where if I don't spend the time really observing these behaviors that I want to shift and the thought patterns that I want to shift and all of that, if I try to jump immediately to just changing an action, she said, good luck with that. Because basically it's trying to slap a Band-Aid on a deep-ass fucking crevice and thinking that that's going to be the thing that holds it together. Like, I've got to really cultivate a commitment to making a change. Like, it comes back again to the no better, do better. Yeah. Like, Just knowing a thing one time in one sentence in my head is not the same as developing like a depth of commitment to really making a different decision consistently over time. And so there is like so much value in the noticing and the observing without trying to change the thing so that we can Mm -hmm. see what we're getting up to, the habitual patterns that we've played out for so long. And instead of being like, oh my God, this is a thing I do. Now I feel ashamed of it. So every time I do it, I feel shitty acknowledging like we come by it honestly like james olivia says we come by it honestly and we can choose something different and the way that we can have make an an informed and conscious different choice is by actually understanding what we have been up to and where that has come from because i don't believe that we ever like get rid of our conditioning i think we just like jen said like we grow in our capacity to navigate things differently You guys listening, I want you to, uh, actually, I'm going to say this real quick. Nick, is it offensive that I use you guys all the time? It just comes out. I was definitely going to talk to you about that after we stopped recording. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, it comes out and I said, and I was like, let me, what what is a better thing to say? You all? You all. Okay. Cool. I mean, like humans that I'm addressing. No, I say it all weird. I do all kinds of weird stuff, but really it's just like you all I would use instead cool. of you guys. Cool. Yeah. So you all listening, I want you to go back and listen to that part again and just think about movement. So you've heard it the first time and I want you to listen at least one more time. It's the same. It's the exact same. This is why we talk about 
the assessment component. This is why we, we're going to figure out the why, right? Let's, let's make it really simple here. Someone jumps, they land, their, knee, their knees cave in. We don't just say, stop doing that. That doesn't work. That's not a good coaching cue. We have to go and say, why? What, what is happening? Why are they doing this? What was going on before? And then looking to reintegrate things and create this environment conducive to learning, conducive to change, conducive to allowing this person to make the choice to do something else. It's no different. Right? It's no different. All right. That is, those are all the questions that I have. The way that I typically end this podcast is I ask the person who's on, what would you like to leave the people with, Nick? Anything that you haven't said that you wanted to throw out there, just anything. Oh. I know it's big. <laughs> I know it's big. The answer can also be nothing. There's no wrong answer. Just, is there anything that you would like to leave the people with? I'm not going to lie. I feel like I left the people with a lot of fucking brilliance in the last hour yeah. and seven minutes. So I'm just going to leave I, it at I that. Done. Boom. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Nick, thank you so much for sharing your, your time and your brilliance with us. I knew this You're was going to be fucking fire. And it was. So I loved this. Thank you. Thank you. You're it's welcome. Great. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You all listening? Thank you. I know you could have been doing anything, well, some things, maybe not anything because of Rona, but you could have been doing a lot of things and you chose to listen to us. And for that, I am endlessly, endlessly, endlessly grateful. I'm not going to ask for any likes or any subscriptions or anything like that. If you liked this episode, if it resonated with you, if you're picking up what was being put down, I'm going to ask that you go and check out Nick. Go check them out on Instagram, uh, website, whatever. Uh, just the work that they're doing, I truly believe, is just it's, it's going to help carry us forward. So if you liked it, if you loved it, do me a solid and go dig a little deeper. All right, that's all that I got for you. Until next time, friends, Nick and Maestro, 